You're listening to the Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about the Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. So most of you know we've been in 1 Peter for a good while now, so we can just go ahead and turn there to 1 Peter chapter 3. It probably Your Bible probably opens straight up to it now. And I want to challenge you to keep reading in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Uh, don't, don't just come here and listen to 1 Peter and 2 Peter being read, but study it. Go home and study the Scriptures. Uh, test, test what's being said by me, Jason, and Casey. We, uh, we want you to test it. We want to have conversation. Um, read the Scriptures for yourself. Read it in context. Read it uh, as, as a whole in the Scripture. Uh, like when we're talking about marriage this morning, we want to read it in context of First Peter, but we also want to we want to see other scriptures. We want, we want to read in other scriptures where it talks about marriage. Um, and so, let's turn to First Peter chapter three, verse one, and we'll go all the way through verse seven. Peter wrote, "Wives." In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your wives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth to us. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right. Do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you with the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So the last verse for men, that's Pretty, pretty solid, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Let's look at verse 1, chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. In the same way as what? Well, if you read in context, in the same way you should submit to human authority. In the same way you should submit to your masters. 
So in the same way, as you submit to governors, president, authorities, the law, as the same way you submit to your boss, in the same way wives, I'm speaking to wives here, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husband. Now we see a principle over and over and over in this section from the end of chapter 2 and all the way through chapter 3. You see a principle here. And here's the principle. Submit so that the people around you, the world, will be able to see Christ in you. That is the principle that keeps coming up. So, he says, wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. This isn't the the only place in Scripture that this says this. It says it in Colossians chapter 3. It says it in Ephesians chapter 5. It says it in Titus. It says it in multiple places. And a lot of times we look at this Scripture, and in this day and age we want to go away from this word submit. This is pleasing to God. This is the way our Creator created us. This is a picture of the Gospel. How beautiful, how great of an opportunity as people who are believers, people who are believers and are married, man and wife, husband and wife, to be a picture the gospel. So this idea of submission is obedience. There's really no other way to say it. But it's obedience. It doesn't mean that women wives can't think for themselves. It doesn't mean that they're they're not capable of thinking on their own. It doesn't mean that they can't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that they can even disagree with you, men. Our wives can disagree with us. It's okay. It's healthy. A lot of, a lot of our wives are smarter than us. They are. But men, you are to lead. That is your role. Your role is to lead. Your role is to take up that position well in honor of God. And so, just because you disagree, we can talk, we can, we can go through, we can pray, we can, we can talk about the things that we disagree with. But in the end, God calls you to submit. And if you disagree with your husband and you've spoken about it and there's respect there, there's, this, there's respect on both ends. And Ephesians says, respect one another. Respect isn't just for the wife to do for their husband. The husband should respect his wife as well. So when you disagree, and come on guys, we all have disagreements. I mean, we can't, 
this is, this is real life. I mean, let's look back within the month. Married people here. Let's look back within the month and let's be real. We all kind of struggle with this idea of respect, submission, and not being short. Right now, working 50 hours, trying to build a house, trust me, it's super hard not to be just short and say, well, that's the way it's going to be. And that's the way I want it. And let's just make this easier on ourselves. And let's not talk about it. Let's just do it. That's easy. And we all do it. We all do it as husbands and wives. We just want to take the easy route or we want to take the harsh road. But the reality is, God calls us as husbands to lead in such a way that we're not harsh. That we lead in such a way that we're not short. It's hard. It's tough. It's different. It's different than what we see on TV. It's different than what what we hear about. It's different than what we feel, what we desire sometimes. But we are called to treat our wives with respect, love. And wives, they are called to submit to their husbands and respect and love their husbands. And this very thing is a picture of the good news of Jesus. The way we interact with our wives, the way wives interact with their husbands, the way they live life with one another, if if people are close enough to you, they'll see the way you treat your wife, guys. And, and, and women as well, the way you treat your husbands, the way you talk about them outside of your husband being there. How do you talk about your husband? Men, how do you talk about your wives? That's something you hear if, you, if you're in the workplace. You hear men say things about their wives. It's just like, goodness, did you just say that about your wife? Oh, cherish her, honor her, respect her. She, if she is a woman of God, she is a co-heir. She has the same blessings and the same grace that you experience through Christ. Do you see her as a person? Man, this, let me just go off for a second. Pornography has destroyed men's minds and women's. But it's destroyed men's minds to think that women are objects. And to be honest, women use that as a benefit almost in a sense. That is evil. Women, you should have a beauty within your heart, your spirit. You are beautiful inside. Because this, it fades. It gets wrinkles. It gets grays. 
we're weak. You'll, we'll, we learn that as we get older. Maybe even before we get older, we're weak. But our beauty, women, your beauty should first come from within. And here Peter is specifically talking about a husband, I, I think a husband that is an unbeliever, someone who does not obey the word. And you hear this language of lives in such a way that you can win them over. You hear that language of winning over, or that they may be won over? To me, that seems like this is a man who doesn't believe. And so, wives, if you have a husband who is an unbeliever, and this even applies to husbands who say that they're believers, but you know by their fruit, by living with them, by being in a relationship with them, you know that they're probably not believers. That applies to you. And so this is a word to the wives. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. There's a word there, own husbands. Your own husbands. I mean, there's, there, there's, it's personal. God made it that way. You're one. Your own husbands. Not to any other man. Don't let other men and even women come in and tell you how you should submit and how you should be in relationship with your husbands. Don't do that. You submit to your own husband. That's a relationship between you and him. You're one. So, submit to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So by your very behavior, your purity, your gentleness, your quietness, your holiness, that itself has the potential to win your unbelieving husband over. And he says, without words. It's not, it doesn't mean without the gospel. It's impossible to, to have a man come from unbelief to belief without the, the word, without the gospel. But what he's saying there is, don't nag. Don't tell him how wrong he is. Don't, don't, don't go that route. It's not going to work. That's not how men who are unbelievers with a wife, it just doesn't work like that. We're not built like that. God didn't create us like that. It, it pushes us away. But there's power in the fact that you don't have to say anything. You can just live for Christ. It's that simple. But it's difficult. Because if you have an unbelieving husband, there's probably some things there that are a struggle in your life. But notice one thing that he doesn't say. 
He doesn't say leave. He doesn't say pack your bags and get out of town. What he says is submit and live in such a way that you may win them over. Now that's the power of living a holy life. And you see, for us to live a holy life and it affects somebody, you have to be close enough to them. It's important for us to proclaim the gospel with our lips, with our mouths. But if we're ever going to affect somebody for the gospel by living it out, you have to be close enough with them. And that's why in this relationship between wives and husbands, he says, you're close enough. You live with each other every day. You go in the same bed together. You do life together. You have kids together probably. All those things, the way you live, the way you live, it's behavior that can win that unbelieving husband. And that doesn't just apply to wives, although this is the scripture that we're reading, but it applies to every believer. If you live in such a way that when people from the outside look in, and they see the way you live, they may ask about the hope that you have by the way you live. And that's an opportunity for you to explain why you have hope. It's an opportunity for you to explain why you live the life you live. Because it's beautiful. It's beautiful to people who are looking from the outside in when they see hope. And so he says in verse 2, when they see your purity and reverence of your life. So there's a purity, there's a reverence, there's a, a fear of God. There's a, a, a holiness, there's a faithfulness. Even this idea of purity, it's faithfulness to your husband. Stay faithful to your husband. It, it, it's, it shouldn't have to be said, but I'm going to say it. Stay faithful to your Husband, be pure. Don't flirt. Don't gawk at other men and show pictures at work and say, oh, don't do it. Be faithful to your husband. And when you do this, you may win your unbelieving husband over Christ. And it's Christ who does it. It's Jesus. It's not you. It's Christ in you that leads them to the truth. Pray for your husband if he's an unbeliever. Pray as much as you can and ask God to give you strength and guidance and help to live in such a way that he may have his eyes open to the gospel. And I don't want you to, like I said, I don't want you to think that, oh, well, my husband said he's, he's a believer. And so I don't even worry about all that. Don't just take that. Even women 
Those who are looking for husbands, don't just say, oh, well, he said he's a believer. Don't, don't get into that. Get to know him. Really see his fruits. Because it's going to be a hard walk. It's going to be a hard road ahead. Uh, if you marry an unbeliever as a believer, you don't have the same anything, really. Your purpose of life is completely different. The way you live, the way you raise your kids, the way, every, everything is different. It's going to be hard. But there's scripture that talks about the unbelieving husband. That if he leaves, you're free. You're free. But as long as he's there and committed and faithful, you do what the scripture says and submit to your husband. Submit in such a way and live in such a way that he may be one of Let's look at verse 4. It talks about beauty and the outward appearance. Verse 4, uh, I'm sorry, verse 3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. You hear that? It is of great worth in God's sight. Why does Peter even go this route? Probably because he knows he knows women probably struggle with this. This idea of beauty is a struggle for women. They focus so much on the outward beauty that they lose sight of what's really important. Women, you are beautiful inside if you have this gentle, reverent, quiet spirit. This is satisfying to God. This pleases God. Don't look in the mirror too long. And don't get dissatisfied and bent out of shape because of the way you look. He's not saying you can't brush your hair and look okay and not wear jewelry. It's not saying he's not saying those things. He's trying to get to the heart of the issue. Don't try to impress and try to don't put too much emphasis on the way you look outside. Men too. Don't put too much emphasis on the way you look out here. Because that really has, it has really no value to God. But what does have value to God, says it's great worth in God's sight when your inner self is beautiful. And what's awesome is that inner self, it's unfading. You see this, 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 this word fading and unfading. It, it doesn't fade. Your, your, your beauty doesn't fade. It stays. From when you're young to you're old, to your last breath, you're beautiful. You can be beautiful with Him. And that's what's pleasing to God. And that's 
what will lead people to Christ. Especially your husband as an unbeliever. Verse 5, For this is the way the holy women of the past put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. There's really only one place that I you know, see that Sarah called Abraham her Lord. And that was in the tent when, when she laughed at God when, when he told her that she would have, have a child. And she said, oh, I'm, I didn't laugh. I was, I was there. I saw you. I heard you laugh. You laughed. But in that moment, he called, she called him Lord. In this, in this day and time, you, you, that would be weird. Don't call your husband Lord. That's, you might get arrested or beat up husbands if your wives start calling you Lord. But it's this idea of a natural language that Sarah had when, he called, when she called him Lord. And that's what I mean by like, even when your husband's not around, it's just this, this respect and this, this submission and this, it's this holistic way of thinking about your husband. The way you think it, about your husband as a whole. Do you respect him? Do you love him? Do you submit to him? Um, do you talk well about him? Those are things that are, 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 are respectable. Are honorable to him. And so he goes on to say, You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So at the end of this, he's saying, Don't give way to fear. Don't be a person of fear. Women, don't be these, these women who are just fearful and, and bashful. But over here he says, Be gentle and quiet. So there's a, a good balance there when you see be gentle, have a gentle spirit, have a quiet spirit, but also don't live in fear. Be strong in confident in Christ. Be confident in Him. Submit to Him. So have a quiet, gentle spirit. That's, that's a great work to God. But also don't be in don't live in fear. All right, verse 7 to the husbands. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. If you don't live in such a way, husbands, what it's saying is your prayers will be hindered. We all understand that, right? That if we live in such a way that we're not considerate, we don't live in such a way that we're understanding of our wives, that we have not, we're, we're studying them. We study them. We, we want to know more about them, what's going on in their, their hearts, their emotions. We don't seek that out. We just push it to the side and want them to just be, get over it and be manly about it. It's not 
who they are. They're not men. They're women. God created them differently. I haven't figured it out. I'm not saying I have figured women out. But I am saying that God calls us to live with your wives, to live with our wives, in such a way that we're considerate, that, we, that we're mindful, that we just don't respond out of our pride. Men, pride is a huge issue for men. Every man, pride and lust, two things. And it's beaten a lot of us. Let's take down our pride. Let's be respectful and loving to our wives. Let's not be quick to respond. We struggle with it. Ask for forgiveness when you struggle with it. Say, I messed up. It's okay to say you mess up. Guys, take that pride and put it to the side. Say, I'm sorry. I spoke to you. Help me understand how I can speak to you in these moments. How I can help you. Even if it's your wife just struggling to be a mom or struggling with sickness, whatever it is, try to be gentle with them. Try to be loving. Try to be considerate. Because this is pleasing to God. And it's also a picture for the outside. It's also a picture for the world to see husbands treating their wives in such a way that when they look and say, you treat my wife. Why do you treat your wife? Husbands, love your wives. Treat them with respect. Treat them with respect as the weaker part. Don't get bent out of shape, women. As the weaker partner. It's just the way God made us. Men are naturally stronger. Not saying that some women can't beat me in arm wrestle, whatever. I've been beaten by a woman arm wrestling when I was a teenager. She's sitting right back there. Melissa Ray, she beat me. I think I can take it. But we're not going to all watch when we do all this. I want to be embarrassed. But, But on a serious note, Women are naturally weaker. Men, if if something comes up where your wife is in trouble, you step up to the plate. And you be a man. Even if she could probably beat that person up faster than you could, you be a man and you step up to the plate. But women also have this gentleness about them. You know, men are just, can be harsh. Even in the workplace, you see how men work and how women work. Women communicate, men don't. It's, it's a diff, it's, it's just different. 
it's different. Men are different. They're they're created different. Women created different. I mean, it's it's just the way it is. Um, but as that weaker vessel, as that gentle spirit, as as the woman who is who is weaker, what you do is you respect her and you treat her with care and gentleness. Just think of it as a, as a as a vase. And a vase, if you drop it, it's going to shatter all over the place because it's 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 weak. It's it's, it's weaker. It's, it's made with weaker material. It's not of less value. Women, you have just as much value as men. You're of equal value. You have the same grace that we experience with Christ. There's no greater value. God created you with the same exact value as me. Just have a more gentle spirit, gentle way of doing things, a little more emotional. You know what I'm saying. But men, be considerate, be respectful, treat her as the weaker vessel, treat her in such a way that you treat her with dignity and respect. Um, and he says, not just as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. That just puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? Like, this woman that God has brought me to do life with, be married to, she is an heir with me of God's grace. That changes the way I see her. I see her as something to be expressed as beautiful in God's sight because of His grace. You can see your wife a lot different. You treat your wife a lot differently if you see her as someone that God has grace on. You treat her differently. You love her differently. So not just respect her as the weaker partner, but as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. She experiences the same gift of life that we experience. She was created for it. And when we see people, our wives, that way, men, as someone who has experienced the gracious gift of life, just as we have, we treat them with respect. And then that last part, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. The hindering of prayers, if you think about it, how often do you come to the throne knowing that you have a bunch of sin? How often do you feel like you want to go to just the feeling. The only reason you should be going to the throne is to seek forgiveness, ask for help. But two, you see that I think that if you do this, and since God's not going to hear you, if you keep disrespecting, if you keep 
treating your wife in such a way that it's not honoring to God, says your, your prayers will be hindered. You can take it as it is, basically. Your prayers will be hindered. Either you don't want to pray because you, you're living such a way or God's not hearing you. And that's a harsh way that Peter put it, but that's how he put it. And so, as the band comes back up, we're going to sing some more. We're going to pray. Um, if your husband's here, if your wife's here, and you're having some conflict, it's okay to pray together. Maybe even that's what this last little line is talking about, that you won't be able to pray together when you're having such conflict with one another. You're hindered to pray together. Maybe that's what it's saying. There's those options there. But if you're struggling, if you're having conflict as husband and wife, seek the scriptures. Seek God's face. Ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. Men, men we need a lot of help. We have a perfect groom who lived a life that is a great picture for us to treat our wives. As Christ loved the church, husbands also love your wives. That scripture in Ephesians, that's a, that's a heavy call for men. And it seems impossible. But by the Spirit, we can love our wives as Christ loved the church. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. When we're hungry, we take care of our bodies. Husbands, take care of your wives in the same way. Take care of your wives just as you take care of yourself. I'm speaking to husbands now. Husbands, take care of your wives. Love them. Cherish them. Tell them they're beautiful. Speak to them with respect. Be considerate. So we're going to sing, we're going to pray, the altar's open, I'll be back in the back, you can pray with one another, I encourage you to pray together, not just here, but every day, pray together, seek God together, seek first His kingdom, and all these things will be given to you. Something that gets me you know, I think about that scripture, you know, when Jesus is asked about marriage in heaven. And he said there won't be. From an eternal perspective, we live as married people here on earth for God's glory. His glory alone. Don't make marriage your God. Happiness is not the that's not what you should be seeking is happiness. It's not, it's not bad to be happy in your marriage, but I think you will be happy when you seek the kingdom first together. That's when you will be happy. If you seek other things and happiness within one another, it will not work. But you can't get that from each other. You can't. So seek first Him, the one who satisfies.
And I think I know that as we live with one another as husbands and wives, God will use us. And our focus won't be us. And our focus won't be just our children and make them our God. But our God will be glorified because we have complete devotion and submission to